Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. I haven't worn pants with zippers in 12 days. I'll forget how to use one. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I'm your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from my uh, recording studio built here at my home office. Um, And uh, apparently with a broken pop screen on my microphone, and those items are not deemed as necessities right now. So it'll be a little bit before I get a replacement one. Um, Anyway, on this week's show in Pipe Parts, we're going to talk about uh, pipes... Two D's, uh, Davidoff pipes and DuPont pipes. Yeah, two D's. And then my guest is uh, noted collector, Fred Berger. And I enjoyed talking to Fred. And he's uh, also collects a bunch of other stuff. Um, music, because I was inspired by a uh, recent passing. And we'll talk about that in the music segment. I uh, got a lot of mailbag, and thank you all who have been writing in to me, and I've had a lot of correspondences with folks uh, listening to the show all around the world, so thank you. Please keep those coming. Keep those coming. I know I, I love getting them, and I love chatting with you about show ideas, show topics, um, you know, your your feelings about stuff, so just keep sending those. It's uh, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at PipesMagazine.com, or, you know, post them on Facebook or Instagram. I'll get to them. Although, I'll be honest with you, the Facebook and Instagram stuff, it's hard to keep track of because it's not as easy as an email. Um, anyway, but keep those coming. So we got a lot of that in the mailbag. In fact, we got so much that I'm thinking of doing a uh, mailbag-only style show coming up. So, uh <laughs> Maybe just to get them all caught up and keep fresh on them. Anyway, keep those coming. And uh, rant. All that coming up in this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, and I just wanted to give you a little bit of an update on the uh, using up of all the lighters that I have laying around that are partially used. I'm down to, uh, well, I'm down to three that I'm working on right now. Three that are uh, very... Um, very weak. <laughs> and uh, in case you are wondering, Dejeep is the brand. It's spelled D-J-E-E-P. D-J-E-E-P. That's the brand of lighter I use. So had that question come up this week, too. All right. Let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. There's nothing quite like a good book. Or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. We're going to talk about pipes from uh, two different companies, uh, Davidoff of Geneva and the ST DuPont Company. And both of these companies are known for other things. Both of these companies are primarily known for, you know, creating and manufacturing other things, but they occasionally dip their feet into the pipe world. And Davidoff of Geneva is the biggest one, and that was uh, founded by uh, Zeno Davidoff, who was a, uh, uh, who ran a tobacco shop in 
uh, in Geneva and post-World War II uh, decided to start having some of his own cigars made. And he, uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't know this for a fact, but uh, Davidoff, Zeno followed a lot of what Alfred was doing, uh, what Alfred Dunhill or the Dunhill Company had done and eventually got bought by a bigger conglomerate and you'd end up with Davidoff cigarettes. Davidoff cigars are the primary business now. Uh, you had uh, Davidoff accessories, and we still have some Davidoff pipe tobacco. But the pipes themselves kind of follow a similar trend of what happened with the S.T. DuPont company. Uh, S.T. DuPont started and founded in France, and again, a luxury goods company that through the years became more and more well-known for their absolutely magnificent lighters, uh, jewelry-quality lighters that you know were deemed as super reliable, super elegant, and fashionable. And every once in a while, the S.T. DuPont Company would put their brand name on another product. So occasionally you'll get some... ST DuPont leather goods. You'll see ST DuPont watches. Uh, for a while, there was an ST DuPont cigar, and I'm I'm not sure if it's still produced. But for a short time in the 80s and 90s, there was an ST DuPont pipe. Now, what I'm going to tell you is what I'm pretty sure happened. So don't take this as the gospel, but this is my opinion on these two pipelines and remember i'm the leading expert on my opinion and at one point i saw over a hundred st dupont pipes that all looked almost identical uh, but both davidoff and st du st dupont never owned their own pipe factories they would contract with a uh, with a pipe uh, with a pipe manufacturer to make pipes to their standards make pipes to their styles, make pipes to their uh, specifications. And then they would distribute those along with their other smokers accessories or cigars or tobaccos to these ST, you know, to these ST DuPont or Davidoff dealers around the world. From looking at the pipes, I would say with the Davidoff pipes, over time they have bounced around through different manufacturers. So you might see some with that are more Italian in style. You might see some that are more Danish in style. But I think the bulk of them came from France, and I would be willing to bet that those are, you know, or, or during their time were made by Chacombe in St. Claude. Uh, same thing with the ST DuPont pipes. Uh, more than likely, a couple of different shapes, a couple of different finishes. Uh, some of them are adorned with a gold band. But again, probably made in the French factory of Chacombe or at that time Chapuis Camoy in uh, St. Claude. Uh, have I smoked any of these? Yeah, yeah, I got a, I got a chance to try some of them, and they do smoke a lot like those traditional French factory pipes. Um, what makes them interesting is the finishing and the shapes, and the and some of the details are the next step up from what you might traditionally see coming out of 
some of those French factories. Uh, what makes them also interesting to me is that when you have the Davidoff pipe or the ST DuPont pipe and you're around your cigar smoking friends, they automatically assume that with a pipe of quality, a pipe of elegance, a more expensive pipe. What I really like about them is that if you do a, if you keep an eye on the estate market for these pipes, uh, because there's not a big following or collecting, uh, you know, not a big collectors group behind Davidoff pipes or ST Dupont pipes. You'll find them at prices that are way lower than pipes of comparable qualities. So, if you're looking for a uh, distinctive named uh, estate pipe, if you're looking for a pipe that you know you're guaranteed nobody else in your pipe club is going to have, or if you're looking for a pipe where when you're hanging out at the cigar shop, yeah, you want to impress some people. Uh, St. Dupont and Davidoff pipes, both really good choices. And I think you're going to get them for a deal much better than what you're, uh, you know, than what you would pay for a comparable pipe with a with a current brand name on there. Um, again, when you're looking at an estate pipe, make sure that the pipe is in good condition. Make sure that it's in original condition, and uh, you know, make sure that there's no cracks or chips out of it that have been replaced. And there you go. So Davidoff of Geneva, St. Dupont of Paris, two pipes. Uh, not readily, uh, not readily talked about or uh, or easy to find. But when you find them, they're uh, they're good looking deals. All right, in just a moment, Fred Berger. This is Internet Radio. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe, just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. And joining us is a name you've heard on the show before because we've mentioned him a couple of times. But, uh, uh, noted collector and regular pipe show attendee and um, and uh, pipe guy all around Fred Berger welcome to the pipes magazine radio show thank you glad to be here all right so when did you start smoking a pipe or get interested in pipes my first pipe was given to me by a friend for my 16th birthday <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was a Dr. Grabo Lark in a Prince shape. I still have it. And uh, that was my introduction to a pipe and then store, you know, drugstore kind of tobaccos and John Rolfe peach and cherry blends and those kinds of things. And uh, I turned green about four times I smoked it. And then finally <laughs> I learned how to 
enjoy it. And uh, that was the kickoff a long time ago. Now, what year would have the, would this have been where you were 16 years old and people were giving you pipes? <laughs> this was, that was 1963. So we're, we're going back a little bit. Was, it, was there a tobacco age limit at that point? I don't think there was. There must not have been. <laughs> because <laughs> I'm just, just go to the drugstore and pick up the tobacco pouches. So, um, yeah. yeah, I guess I guess there was there wasn't that, and this was in Chicago. Now, did you uh, uh, did you stick with the pipe only? Did you smoke cigarettes and cigars, or bounce around at all? Yeah, never smoked cigarettes at all. And uh, I did get into uh, cigar smoking, and a good part of my life, I would I would smoke cigars or smoke a pipe. But pipe was always, I think, a little more the favorite, kind of seventy thirty. And uh, I, I enjoyed them both. Now, so you get the first pipe at sixteen. How long was it until you got a second pipe? I I would imagine I started getting. A, a, a number of pipes and that you know a number might be you know five to ten when i was in college and uh, so that was really just a couple years after my you know my first pipe and this was at the university of illinois in champaign urbana and they had us a, a store there uh, and now i'm forgetting the name but it's a it's a famous name for that store was it john's uh, john's pipe shop no it may come to me um but uh i'd save up and and uh buy a pipe i think i got another pipe also from a friend uh as a birthday present uh and probably was the nicest pipe i had for a while it was a, a savinelli golden jubilee and a nice straight grain billiard and I still have that pipe as well. Now, what were you what were you going to school for? Uh, I uh, did my undergraduate in psychology and uh, pre med. And which way did you go, psychology or med? Uh, med, but with a twist because I eventually I graduated medical school and then I did a residency in psychiatry, which is my main job and passion. So you're perfect for pipe collecting and for pipe shows because there's several clients out there waiting for you everywhere. <laughs> and we got Zoom now, so you know things can things can happen. Yeah, and and you only have to wear a shirt. You don't have to wear any bottoms. Um, <laughs> so 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 when do you when in this do you figure you became a pipe collector? Huh interesting question a collector i think pretty early on because um back in uh uh in about 1971 or so uh i spent a year uh in europe mostly in england and france and drove around a, a bit and picked up picked up pipes uh at different places, mostly uh, some exciting pipes back then in Denmark, uh, some large freehand, beautiful straight grain kind of pipes and 
And I think that really got me hooked into collecting and uh, and often just on travels, picking up a pipe or two and uh, it would remind me of smoking a pipe. It remind me where I got the pipe. And so that became a pleasurable activity for many years. Did you did you get excited over a certain brand or style of pipe? I really liked the uh, the freehand pipes for for a while that that uh, were just starting in the early seventies in uh, uh, in Denmark. Um, those were a lot of fun, and um, I always liked curved pipes. Yeah, it, it's only in recent years that I kind of got more into. Um, billiard shapes and uh, on a regular basis and and but i always like the, the curved pipes and big curved pipes i wonder if that's more of a uh, more of a psychiatry thing where i could see you more with a with a bent pipe sitting there and reading than with a straight pipe which might be more of an engineer type of thing i think you're right the, i think you're right the, uh, and also the whole going back to the the college years and smoking i mean back then it was kind of the the influence of uh, hugh hefner and <laughs> the college guy on campus you know smoking a pipe and that was always kind of an image in my mind too and it was kind of a cool thing to do and uh i don't know if it attracted any women but <laughs> it, it was it was a fun activity <laughs> well that's up for you to decide if it worked or not as long as you enjoyed it there you go. I think putting my pipe down got me more women, but that's another story. <laughs> when did you go to your first pipe show? Uh-huh. The first pipe show, I think, was in the year 2000, and it was a Los Angeles pipe show. And, and at that point, were you overwhelmed by the amount of pipes and got real excited? It was... Pr- it was mind blowing. Yes. Uh, just the, the, the interesting people and the amount of pipes and, uh, and, uh, that's when I met, uh, yes, Conowitz. Uh, he was at the show and I bought one of his pipes, uh, from, I think Upton pipes, I think it was. Was that kind of a, a shocker to the, to the price threshold at that point? Because the, I, I'm trying to think back then. I mean, yes, his pipes were more than a Dunhill. Yeah, I think the pipe I bought at that show was something like about twelve hundred dollars. Yeah. And for two thousand, that was a that was a chunk of change. <laughs> yeah. Um, going back to Chicago and and all those great old pipe shops. I mean, were you spending? Were you, Were you making a weekly trip to a pipe shop and? while you were in college and growing up? Um, I, I went a few times to uh, Iwan Reese's uh, place when it was actually on the ground floor on Wabash Street. And uh, that was, I think in those years, the, the nicer pipes were seemingly out of reach. Um, but I would pick up some tobacco and pick up a, a cheap pipe or two. And um, I, didn't, I didn't go a lot. Uh, I just, I would say, you know, maybe every six months or so I might, might go downtown to, to that store. And, um, and I peruse again, like it, uh, at the pipe shop whose name I can't remember <laughs> at the university of Illinois, go there and look around and occasionally buy a pipe. Um, 
I think, again, I bought more pipes in the early years uh, in traveling. If I went to a different city, I'd explore pipe shops that they might have. And I did that for many, many years, kind of going to pipe shops in cities in the U.S. and in Europe and uh, what have you to, to see what they got and buy a souvenir or a nice pipe that caught my fancy. So that was your uh, that was your souvenir and your way of marking that trip was with a brand new pipe. There you go. Yeah. And my wife was supportive and she'd come with me to the pipe shops and it was, it was nice. Did she help you pick out the tobaccos? She she kind of trusted me and and in those years uh, it was a lot of uh lighter tobaccos and i wasn't into a lot of kia uh at that point so she, she tolerated it pretty well um now i have a a study with uh that is my pipe room and uh and then i have uh, an exhaust fan that goes through the roof and carries the uh the smoke out and uh there's never any complaints so and <laughs> she she knows you're okay as long as the exhaust fan is going there you go <laughs> we'll take a break right here when we come back we'll talk more with fred so stay with us we'll be back in just a minute being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at cornell and deal from the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Fred Berger. And Fred, I'm interested because are there brands that that you ended up collecting or really kind of focusing on? Well, again, I think there's the, the period uh, up until probably when I started going to shows. Uh, and that would be at that earlier, my pipe smoking career would be Peterson's collected them for a long time, smoked them, uh, Stanwell, Nording, Savinelli, uh, Previn Holmes, um, and then eventually Ashton's and Winslow's. Um, and I had a, a number of, of all of those pipes. And um, and actually, I don't tend to sell my pipes to give them away. So I've got basically every pipe I ever bought. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and more. Um, and then I think it, when I started going to the shows around 2000 and the Chicago show about 2003, and I've gone... Uh, pretty much every year there and all the uh, Las Vegas shows I've been to. Um, but then I started getting into uh, more of the 
um, artisan pipes. So, um, well, actually, there's a, there's another period actually right before that. After after uh, kind of going through com- medium grade pipes, um, I got into really liking Teddy Newton's pipes. <laughs> wow, there's a <laughs> jump. There was. And there was a period of time in the uh, early 2000s when his pipes were not crazy expensive. And for a number of years, uh, I would meet him at the shows uh, in the early 2000s. And he'd often give me a nice deal. and We'd chat some. And uh, so he, he was someone I really uh, admired, his, his capabilities of making pipes. And they smoked great. And so I was really into collecting the, the the uh, eagle pipes I could, uh, and uh, and then it kind of switched, uh, and I really got and as his pipes got more expensive, and I got into Costello pipes for a number of years, and uh, and you know Fiamatas and and would go and pick up the latest pipes that came out each year and. I have a collection of the RTDA pipes and the IPC uh, PR pipes and get one of yeah. those each year um, of Costello. And that's and so, kind of a, the, what Costello did was kind of interesting because it was really the trade association that they were celebrating, but yet consumers ended up with those pipes and they would kind of, if I remember right, they would theme them to where the trade show was that year. Right. Until a lot of times it just was Las Vegas, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, they came out with like 20 of them. And, uh, so that's been fun, kind of a, a col- you know, a side collection there. Um, and then I think after, after the Costellos, which I thought smoked really well, um, I entered a new phase, uh, when I met Jeff Grasick and, uh, I think I bought my first pipe for him at, from him he made a pipe for me uh for my birthday uh 2012 i think that was so uh, i've been collecting pipes with with him and he's a friend and uh uh, he's very very good about you know working with me and me working with him to come up with with pipe designs uh but uh mostly it it's his his work and his thinking that have gone into the pipes I've bought and uh, he's, he's really great as you know. Yeah. And he lives near you. So that makes it easy for you to go over there and inspect what he's doing for you. Yep. Yeah. Schmooze and watch him work <laughs> on the pipe and maybe get some lunch and deal with his family a little bit. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I think during that period, then I, you know, I met at the shows, uh, Ernie Marco and Adam Davidson have been friendly with them and uh, bought their stuff. Um, and I think in that same time period, I started getting to other pipes like Wichukin and Tupitsin. Uh, there at the Chicago show, there'd be the Russian f- folks who came over each year and, uh, and I meet with them. Eugene Smolar, uh, yeah. is someone who, uh, I'd hang out with, with, with the Russian guys and they'd bring to Pitson and uh, Grachukin pipes uh, with, I'd get a first crack at looking at those and, uh, and would meet with uh, Lassie, uh, Skovgard, 
uh, and see what he had. Uh, so it, it, it's been really interesting. Um, yes, I've picked up in recent times more yes pipes. Those are kind of the higher end of what I'm still kind of collecting and smoking. Um, and I've liked Brad Pullman pipes, and he's a really nice guy. And, um, what what does it what does it take? I mean, what is is there some way that you can tell us or explain to us what it is about a pipe maker that gets you interested in them at the beginning? That there would have to be uh, a pipe that would just appeal to me visually and uh, the grain and the shape and uh, um, how light it, the pipe is and. Uh, and, you know, it could be a lots of different types of pipes. Uh, just if something would, would just appeal to me. And, uh, and I, you know, I, I like uh, Rhodesian shapes and I like uh, Canadians now. And, um, but then a lot of just unusual pipes. Um, so, but once I find someone who, who makes a, a, a really nice pipe, and it smokes well, uh, then I may be hooked for a while to to get more of that person's pipes. Have you found pipes that you liked and then bought them and then they didn't smoke well for you? That that happens. Yeah, that happens. And I tend, uh, I may give that the same pipe maker one more chance, and then and then I'll shy away. And and at that point, do you, so you just figure, all right, well, that you know, whatever that, whatever that pipe maker's doing is just not working for me. And for me, yeah. And then you, That's but it. yet you still keep those pipes. I do. I'm just not a big seller of pipes. Um, I guess I, I don't know. A part of me thinks, oh yeah, I should, but I never get around to to trying to get rid of them. They just sit on shelves, and I've got I've got these uh, cabinets that display all these different uh, pipe racks, and uh, they, some of them look nice. <laughs> <laughs> How do you have your pipes organized at home? Is it by maker or by era or by by space? <laughs> Both, uh, or all three. Yeah. Um, so the earlier pipes are. Uh, that that I collected and smoked uh, are in the first two or three cabinets. I got clear clear plexiglass kind of door uh, doors on, on these cabinets, and uh, and then I think that the, the uh, I have more out the more current pipes, and I have a rack of like eighteen pipes, and so that's more than overflowing. So I have I have probably twenty something. Uh, Eltang pipes, and he's probably been one of my favorites. Um, and I have 20 something, I would guess, uh, Jay Allen pipes, and he's got his big rack. And uh, and then I have a rack with not quite as full with uh, Yes's pipes, and have uh, well, a bunch of Pullman pipes. And uh, so those are all kind of out because I tend to smoke those the most now. And I have rack and rack and rack and rack and rack of uh, the Costellos. Um, and it turns out I, I don't pick them up very much uh, anymore. 
um, occasionally I'll just get a hankering and, and go back and try one. But I'd say I, I pretty much smoke Elting, Yeses, and uh, J. Allen pipes the most. All that starting off of that one Dr. Grabo back in Chicago. That's it. <laughs> and I had uh, a lot of the earlier pipes too, because Jim Benjamin, the mm-hmm. you know the, the pipe opener and restorer, lived uh, uh, in northern San Diego, and uh, he helped uh, open up uh, the, the draft holes and the stems of uh, of a number of my earlier pipes, and they all tended to smoke better. So even that first lonely grave was opened and. Uh, and uh, actually, last year I smoked it, and it was not bad. <laughs> how how wide was he opening up the draft holes? Um, I don't know the millimeters, to be honest with you. But it, <laughs> so, yeah. so he he was doing what he could to them to make them better for you, but not he, he had a he had a standard, I think. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, he would just kind of do it. You had a tell him not to not to overdo his 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 cleaning of the pipes because he'd buff nomenclature a little bit and well, that wouldn't be <laughs> really good um but he really transformed a lot of pipes that are just so so smoke smokers into into really excellent ones all right so now i'm, I'm hesitant to ask you this but we're we're in uh you know we're in deep waters here anyway uh <laughs> Do you know how many pipes you own? A guesstimate, a few hundred. So, so you're so you're not completely crazy, but you're in the couple of hundreds crazy. Few hundreds crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what is it when you're st- well nowadays? How how often do you get to smoke a pipe? Well, it, it, I can smoke as much as I want, so it's not getting, but uh, how many do I choose to smoke? Um, I smoke once or tw- twice a week, and I keep it kind of at that level, I think, of trying to really minimize any possibilities of getting some uh, health issues from smoking. Um, Did I you- think for me, that works. Did you smoke more often, you know, more frequently in the past? Not really. So you've always, so I, I mean, this is the fascinating part for me is that, you know, a couple times a week, but yet you've got a few hundred pipes. So your rotation is probably, you know, three, four years down. (laughs) (laughs) And here, well, here's not exactly, here's something else. A lot of the very nicest pipes, in terms of of their beauty to me, uh, I don't smoke. So I would say maybe a third to a half of my pipes are unsmoked. Like my, I have a Bow Nord, Nord Nautilus is unsmoked, and <laughs> some of my Jay Allens are unsmoked, and a number of my pipes are unsmoked because, especially ones that. It, it almost feels to me like the beauty would be diminished if they're smoked. So, so I, I have that side to my collection as well. So you really do enjoy them as pieces of art and sculpture and, and the objects to look at. Exactly. And to hold and to cherish. And, uh, yeah. Um, so 
the good news is some people who like I eventually will who can get my pipes when I'm gone, I guess will, will, will be a lot of unsmoked, wonderful pipes. <laughs> well, well, let's not rush to that. But um, when you go to a pipe show, does it change your pipe smoking habits? Oh yes. When, when I'm at a pipe show like the Chicago show and hang out with the guys, I'm smoking a few few bowls a day every day. So yeah, that that I know I'm going to get into. But yet. Smoking. It, it, at the same time, then you don't have to worry about having a huge stockpile of tobacco because you're not going through it that fast. Nope. Though I, you know, I keep picking up tobacco and, and, uh, and I've got, I've got some, some cabinets full out in my garage. My, my wife says I could open up two tobacco shops. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like your wife's been talking to mine. Uh, <laughs> On the sly, yes. Yeah, I, I think they all talk to each other. <laughs> um, when you when you first so the so the first I want to go back to with a pipe and you know with you first looking at a pipe maker. So you really you really look at the pipe first. Is is hand feel also important to you? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and, and so. Do you kind of have like a mental checklist of things that you're that you're going over when you're when you're examining this first possible pipe? Not really. It's just as you know. Now, mind you, if I go to a show and I'm you know I'm walking past tables and there's you know 25 pipe makers whom I don't know or you know from the, I tend not to just pick up any pipe uh, and say, oh, this is interesting and go with it um i i i would either have to have heard of someone or someone says hey so-and-so's pipes are really good take a look at those and that might then give me a a choice of a few people's pipes to look at and then if something really appeals to me then i would go forward um there was a period of time when when just the sculpture alone uh and the beauty of the pipe and the graining uh would be where I'd buy almost anyone's pipes. And so I, I do have some very beautiful straight grain pipes from different makers, uh, some of whom are well-known, some who aren't. Do you collect anything else besides pipes? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, a long-time uh, stamp collector. Uh, French stamps are the main thing I've been into for a big part of my life. And uh, baseball cards, football cards, comic books, and have uh, a number of really nice comic books from the Golden Age, Superman number one, and a bunch of others through the, collected through the years. Um, so, being a psychiatrist, can you is collecting? Is it is it fair for uh, for you to say that there's a collector there's a, a con, there's a collector gene or there isn't one and some of us have it? Probably isn't at the genetic level, but 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 on a on a learned basis, I guess. Yeah, I think you know some people are really into collecting, and uh, I, I'm I'm more than bitten. 
because um, I have a number of collections going and, and pipes are, are one of them. Um, but pipes give you a whole nother dimension. I mean, you can look at stamps, you can look at coins, you can look at comic books, baseball cards, you can, you know, it's, it's all visual, but, but the whole experience of smoking the, uh, something beautiful that, that's handmade is, uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a whole different dimension of a hobby, I think. And being in San Diego, I would imagine you might have made it to a Comic-Con once or twice. Yeah, for many years. Um, I've gone pretty much every single year for 25 years or so. And, uh, no, that's been a part of our lives, too, yeah. <laughs> and talk about a show that's gotten bigger and bigger. Um yeah right and the comic book part of it is the smallest little section now compared to all the <laughs> the hollywood and tv stuff yeah that's where all the that's where all the old people are is over looking at the comic books mia culpa yeah <laughs> fred we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions no right answer no wrong answer just whatever comes to your mind are you ready okay i'm ready this is going to be tough one, tough for you. But what is your favorite pipe? Hmm. Oh boy, that is a tough one. My favorite pipe. Okay, I think my favorite pipe uh, is a Ben Wade pipe. Uh, kind of a Sheraton shape as well uh, that I picked up when I was living in London. And I uh, have an early picture with that pipe in my mouth, and uh, uh, my hair was very long. And uh, that pipe's been kind of a friend to me, and that sits on the table right next to my chair. And for just kind of for old time's sake and the memories uh, uh, that it brings back, that's my favorite pipe, I would say. And what is your favorite tobacco? My favorite tobacco right now is Crown Achievement. And what is your favorite drink? My favorite drink is uh, uh, rye. Ooh. Um, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? That's pro it's probably 50-50 between uh a, a book and uh, a movie. I, I'm kind of picturing you sitting with a sitting and reading one of the old comic books with a pipe in your mouth. Oh, be careful with <laughs> yeah. the ashes. <laughs> yeah, and and you got to keep the uh, you got to keep the comic books and the stamps out of the pipe smoking room because <laughs> that wouldn't be good. Uh, nope, you got it. Yeah, um, and and. Finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory that we didn't talk about? No, I, th I think the, the most pleasant memories has been, um, been at the Chicago pipe show and, uh, and being in, you know, in friends rooms and getting together and just, you know, smoking and talking for hours and a drink or two as well. I mean, those are good times. And that pops into my head as the best memories. I used to always tell people that the uh, that that the hotel rooms at the Chicago Pipe Show 
you know, really, if you're in the bed for four hours a night, that's, you know, 50 bucks an hour that you're in the bed. So <laughs> uh, that's true. But you're just there to survive. Fred, fascinating, wonderful. Looking forward to seeing you at a show. Thank you very much for coming on. My pleasure. Nice chatting with you. We'll be back in Why? just a minute. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark, and like you, there can only be one Savinelli. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Fred at a pipe show again. I'm looking forward to getting to a pipe show again. All right, for music. So this morning I saw the news that a couple days ago, a gentleman by the name of Gene Deitch had passed away over the weekend. And uh, Gene Deitch was an animator and a uh, publisher and an illustrator but most uh, most famously was known for being a director of some tom and jerry episodes as well as popeye popeye the sailor man the most famous pipe smoker in the world probably so i thought this would be fun and this is uh via youtube this is the uh uh the original 1933 Popeye the Sailor Man theme song in its complete two-minute version. Strike up the band for Popeye the Sailor, cash in his hand, ride off a whale, stand in a row, no. don't let him go, no. he's a cinch but every inch a sailor. Strike up the band for Popeye the Sailor, cash in his hand, ride off a Popeye the Sailor Man, who's uh, 
fresh off the boat and cashing his hand off of a whaling ship. So, yeah, you can't do that anymore. And, uh, yeah, you can't smoke a pipe either. Uh, speaking of animation, uh, this week's uh, upcoming Food for Thought will be all about animation, animation collecting, and animation art. So I'm looking forward to that. You've got mail. And again, a lot to get caught up here in the mailbag, so I'll try to go through this in order. But uh, going back to last week's show with uh, Dennis Congas, Dino writes, uh, The Doctors Were In, a wonderful show. Dennis was his usual erudite, humorous, and interesting presence. Your review of Carolina Redflake was per with Perique was quite tantalizing. Beethoven is one of my favorite composers, and the choice was perfect for the time. Thanks for another enlightening and entertaining hour, Dino. And you are welcome. And then Casey Ghost says, a nice review of the Tobacco Red Flake by C&D. Uh, pretty sure it isn't for me, but a nice review all the same. Some people like Dennis Congas, and some people don't. <laughs> the Beethoven, I thought, was an odd choice, but the more you listen to it, the more you liked it. Yeah, it kind of grows on you, doesn't it? And then uh, Ira, the writing rabbi, says, Another very enjoyable show. Always a pleasure to hear a passionate collector. I was surprised at the review of Red Flake with Perique. I recognize that your palate is more sophisticated than mine, but I found the Perique to be very forward in the blend, almost blotting out the Virginia. Well, to each their own, nice music and good advice. And you know what? Let me First of all, thank you, Ira, for writing and... Uh, let me say that, uh, you know, I, I went back and listened to my what I said about the tobacco and, um, you know, it it is a Perique forward blend after you get past the uh, the youth of the Virginias. But it's not that standard spicy fragrant Perique. It's more of that plummy bottom end Perique. And I've been enjoying it. And I might have. um Bought a few more tins afterwards, so I just might have. Uh, can't tell the wife, though. Uh, going on, uh, Crash the Gray writes, Great show. Really enjoyed the refreshing view of a pure collector. Thanks for the very honest review. It's nice to not have any industry influence. Great music selection this week. Hope to see you and others at a pipe show on the other side of this. I think it is starting to really hit us all how much we rely on those shows with any luck, we'll uh, we'll see a big increase in attendance next year. Yeah, you know I really do. I I personally look forward to the pipe shows and love going to them. And again, it's mainly for the people that I go because you can buy the pipes and the tobaccos anywhere, but it's really for the people. And next time when I'm at a pipe show, I will really enjoy it more and savor in the moment more. Uh, yeah, and just really grab it as much as I can. Uh, going back to uh, last week's uh, bonus show, Food for Thought on Hockey. A uh, couple of comments here. Uh, Lion Oop said, Hockey and pipe smoking in the same podcast? I'm in freaking heaven. Yeah, so don't forget the Food for Thoughts are coming out every Friday afternoon, and they're just varied conversations, like this one coming up next this week will be about... Uh, animation art and collecting animation art and maybe uh, talk a little bit about a favorite company of mine or not so favorite anymore uh but anyway uh and then i got this uh 
I, I got this email from uh, Mo in Canada, and he said, and this is uh, kind of time, you know, time sensitive because it was a week ago before the show came out. Uh, he said, I thought I'd send a suggestion your way for show content. Over the years, you have had, you've had some collectors on as guests, and I've enjoyed every one of them. To hear the obvious interest and excitement that they have for their collections is a real joy. How they got started, how they've developed their collection, how it was changed over the years, and how they go about finding new additions are all topics of interest. It could be uh, pipes or tobacco or tampers or whatever. Collecting can be a big part of the hobby, and I, for one, would like to hear from more collectors. Uh, and then he says, thanks, Brian. Congrats on approaching your 400th episode. It is something really to be proud of. Keep them coming. And then he, uh, in a separate uh, message, said, uh, and being Canadian myself, I thought the interview with Michael Parks was a hoot. Hockey in Canada has changed a bit from what Michael remembers. My son has been playing in the Hockey Calgary Leagues for over 10 years. It is institutionalized just as baseball, football, and basketball are in the States. It's why there are so many Canadian hockey players in the NHL. They say Canadians bleed red, white, and hockey, and there's definitely truth to that. <laughs> there you go. Um, so Mo sent that, and now we've had uh, Dennis Congas, a collector, Fred Berger, a collector. I've got one more collector recorded, so we've got much more of that coming up, I promise. And you know what? He's right. We'll spend more time talking on the collector side. Um, talking about collectors, here's from Skip Miller. He says, I've been listening to the podcast weekly for about three years now and working my way through all the back episodes. This Easter morning, I've been listening to episode 127 with Rich Esserman discusses the pipe smokers ephemeris. I've looked on eBay in the past and found single issues and bound volumes, but they are very expensive. Has anybody done a more economical reprint? Well, I did a little bit more digging around, and the uh, and as per Tom Dunn's request, uh, at his death, the ephemeris was ended, and that is the last of it. So, if you're looking for back issues or you know a reprint of the ephemeris, you won't get one. It's literally the back issues that are, are the used issues that are available. That's all that there is, and that's kind of, you know, again, that's one of those uh, lightning-in-the-bottle kind of things where you just can't get more of it. So uh, if I were you and you're looking for it, look for those bound issues because you're going to get, uh, yeah, you, you, for a couple hundred dollars, you're going to get a ton of great reading and a ton of great uh, back history and information that goes, you know, all the way back to what, the, the late 60s is when... Uh, is when he started the ephemeris. Uh, so there you go. If anybody's got one for sale, reach out and I'll uh, I'll hook you two up. Uh, and again, any comments or questions, I love getting them. Please email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Travel stuff, brian.levine at mei-travel.com. I know a lot of us aren't thinking about it now, but there are some uh, there. There's some deals to be had. There's some deals to be had for next year. So, if you're thinking about it, just let me know. All right. Uh, oh, also, if you're on iTunes, again, please leave a rating and a review there. If you are not on iTunes, uh, we would appreciate you going on iTunes, registering. It's free to do. Only takes a few minutes. 
Uh, and then go to the Pipes Magazine radio show and leave us a rating and a review there. Uh, I know a lot of you don't listen on iTunes, and that's fine, but iTunes is the 800-pound uh, gorilla in this, uh, <laughs> in this podcasting world. So, All right, in just a moment, rant time. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. and spammers well they suck in fact they can kiss my donkey kong um uh, yeah so anyway in this time of uh yeah in, in this time of the world right now the scammers and spammers are out there and they're out there in a high fashion uh no you do not have a long lost nigerian prince that is your great uncle no the irs will never contact you by phone or by email so automatically those go right out the window right <laughs> And nobody's got the bonus numbers to the Irish lottery. None of you do. There you go. All right. So those go right out the window. Um, here is a couple of things of advice for you. If you're on uh, Facebook or Instagram or any of those places, if you use your smartphone for, or a tablet for opening emails or messages, uh, if you think it's a scam or spam, don't do it on your phone. Do it on a laptop or a desktop where you have a virus protection program. All right. First of all, and don't click on videos that are going around on uh, Facebook Messenger and stuff like that. I'm sorry, I don't click on them. If you send it by Messenger, I don't click on it. That's all there is to it, okay? Those are scams. Those are viruses. Some of them, I just don't click on any of them just to make sure. So that's one way of being safe. If I do think it's okay to click on, I wait until I'm in front of my laptop, which has a virus protection program and Trojan software protection program and all that protection program stuff. So I make sure and do it only on my laptop. Got it? All right. If you got an email from somebody that you think is somewhat legitimate, but might be kind of hokey pokey and you're not real sure about it. Well, you can do simply this. Open the email in your on your laptop or desktop only with your virus protection program and all that jibber-dabber stuff. And expand the header so that you can see what the email address's name really looks like. Usually you can do that just by hovering over it. If you then think that that's a legitimate email address and you want to look at there's a click-through or something like that in the in the email itself hover over the click through look at the bottom left corner of it and you'll see where it's going to send you before you click on it if that looks like it reads like the uh, like the combination to a russian safe don't do it all right just delete those if you want to make sure you can uh, like i use outlook you can mark it as a phishing or block it 
and you'll be even safer that way. All right. So there's just a couple of words of advice for scams and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, don't buy anything unless it looks like it's sending you to a legitimate uh, secured payment protocol place. There you go. Um, I hope everybody is staying safe and uh, doing the best they can. Again, keep those uh, comments and cards and letters coming. Uh, the entire Pipes Magazine radio show library is available for you at any time for free, so you can go back all the way to episode number one and re-listen to them. Hope you get a chance, you're at least getting a chance now as the weather's warming up to get outside and smoke your pipe and relax with your pipe and maybe take a walk with your pipe and let all your... Uh, Everybody in the neighborhood see you happily smoking your pipe. Uh, keep sharing the Pipes Magazine radio show with all your Facebook groups and Facebook pages and keep those. Uh, I see a lot of clubs doing uh, Facebook Zoom meetings. Want me to join in? I'm kind of free, so just email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. So once again, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to Fred Berger for joining me. And until next time. Clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Touch my pot! <laughs>